0: It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of December. Oh, how a 30-point blowout makes everybody happy. We'll break down what the Jazz did so well against Miami, talk a little bit about eh, all sorts of fun things around the league, and I'll laugh and joke a little bit, take your questions, and roll. It's a live edition on a Thursday of Locked on Jazz. ba bum 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 How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully a lot of fun for a little part of your day. Each and every day, we try to do it in about 30 minutes, get you in, out, inside on your team, let you move on to Locked on NBA, which was with Ben Goliver. Funny show, actually. Ben and I did the show yesterday afternoon, and a ton of things we talked about, frankly, are uh, felt vastly different after last night's action. So um, that should be really interesting to listen to, and we kind of throw ourselves out there. It's one of those things where, seriously, a lot of the items we discussed felt like they changed on a huge night of the NBA uh, last night. Uh, the first question that just came in is, are you excited for Mexico City? And I'll get to last night's game, and I am so So excited for Mexico City, but we're barely there. Like, we fly out tomorrow around one. I think it's like a four hour flight. So, five, one hour time change, six. I think it's, I hear it's really hard to get around. So, we, I don't know if we're getting to our hotel or till about eight or nine. And then we play at, I think, five o'clock in the afternoon. Or maybe even earlier. So it's... I I'm, I have no idea if I'm even going to get any feel or taste of Mexico City. It has three of the best rest, 100 best restaurants in the world. I don't think we're getting to any of those. I would die to. Uh, we're not, because I don't have a reservation. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited, but I kind of feel like if I've either blown it and missed the boat, or uh, our window of time that we're there is so little, and in theory, trying to prepare for a game, too, um, that it just feels as though there's not a lot of time uh, to get things done. Orlando's there for like three days. They play Chicago uh, earlier. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see if they maybe they're more adjusted. The altitude's a big factor there. It'll be interesting. All right, let's go to last night's game. Uh, the Jazz blow out the Miami Heat. They start 13 nothing. They then go to 22-4, to and the game never gets closer. A little bit here of what we've been talking about. I mean, I know that there's the contingency of fans that's out there that thinks that any time I mention the schedule, I'm making excuses. Um, and, I, and I think that... I don't think I'm making excuses. I think I'm explaining what we're experiencing... And what's taking place? And when I explain that, it's factual. Like, I feel like an excuse is almost a lie That when I hear that. There's nothing about what we've experienced that's, that's a lie. So if you look at the Jazz, they have played three games now against the nine teams in the league that are three or more games below 500. Unless somebody else slipped into that last night. We beat Brooklyn by ten easily. We lost to Miami by two um, on the on the last night of that ridiculous twenty two day span. And then last night we played another one against Miami and we roasted them. In those three games, our defensive ratings have been eighty five, one hundred one, and eighty seven. Part of the reason our defense has not felt as good is because we're playing great teams. There there has to be at some point here, guys, where we back off a little bit and say, okay, the, the loss to Memphis on the third game of the year might not have been so terrible. The blowout loss to the Raptors who just beat the Warriors by 20, the Lakers by 30, the Clippers by 30. might not have been so terrible. The Pacer games, Pacers are good. They beat the Bucs by 20-some-odd points last night. Similar system, too, by the way. Um, So, it's it's not as though we're dropping games to scrubs. Last night, we made the team look like scrubs. Three-point shooting was unbelievable, 16 of... Of 30, excuse me, 16 of 32. We had our second best defensive night and our eighth best offensive night. We blew them out. I mean, that game was not close. That was, that was pretty tremendous. You don't see performances of that ilk very often. Our defensive performance, according to Cleaning the Glass, was second best in the NBA. Um, and they stopped and at at the end of they, they cleaning the glass clears out all of the garbage time so they stopped they're keeping stats through three quarters the jazz defensive rating was a 73.6 It was an incredibly dominating experience it was 92-53 as we headed to the fourth quarter last night so we can dig into a lot of aspects of this game but the jazz were sharp they moved the basketball Their defense at the rim was incredible again. Miami was, in the first three quarters of the game, Miami was 5 of 19 at the rim. 5 of 19. You know, I was on with Jake and Tony the other day. No, it wasn't. It was with Jake and Gordon. And they brought up how Chris Mannix talked about that Rudy Gobert is not having the defensive impact that he had a year ago. Chris Mannix, who's a very, very good, now Sports Illustrated writer, sideline reporter for the Boston Celtics, doesn't watch the Jazz. And so he's wrong. Right? Like, he's wrong. When Rudy's on the floor, teams aren't going to the rim. You can, we can try to pretend it's something else, but it, teams are not going to the rim when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Now, those that are going to the rim are doing it better against Rudy than they may have in years past. But his defensive impact is still the same. If we want to fix our defense, the item that is not the same is the Gobert-Favors lineup is not the same. That's the one area where we're not what what we were a year ago. That defensive rating was a 96. It's now about 106. That's a big difference. Last night, we, ch- we started Jay Crowder again. Matchup, they play James Johnson, versatile. I don't know if we are going to go to that permanently, but it feels like that's going to begin to happen more and more. Because it just, in, unless the Favors-Gobert lineup can return to the elite defensive level that they were, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Teams are shooting 29.4% of their shots in the restricted area when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. When he's off the floor, teams shoot 35.4% of their shots at the rim. Rudy changes the entire shot composition of the other team still as much as he ever has. To say otherwise, Rudy's having a hard time with officials, but he's not having a hard time. Teams shoot at the rim 62.6% for the league and when Rudy's there they're shooting the same so he's not he's not altering the guys that are shooting at the rim have figured out how to do it against Rudy okay so they the but 33% of all shots are taken in the restricted area 29.4 when Rudy's on the floor 34.5 when he's off last night they they just didn't want to go to the rim at all Teams are shooting a little bit unnaturally high when Rudy's on for the mid-range. I don't believe it'll last. I just don't believe it. They're shooting 43.2%. They're taking 19% of their shots. They're taking, when Rudy's on the floor, opponents take 40% of their shots as non-restricted area twos. That's mammoth. The worst shot composition in the NBA is the San Antonio Spurs. And they're at 53.4% of their shots as smart shots. Rudy Gobert's defense would be the third would be the third best at 60% only the Warriors interestingly. And the Spurs have worse shot composition than teams against Rudy. So, part of it, again, is who we've been playing. And that's really clear. All right, let's get to your questions. It wasn't a huge amount to add to last night's game. We were really good. We were really sharp. We made our shots. They didn't. But our defense, my point a little bit is last night, the defense was so in tuned, and so good that it skewed their shot chart. They took 19 shots at the rim, 18 mid-range shots, and 18 threes in the opening three quarters of the game. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. My friends over at Intercap, Steve Carter and the crew, have done such a great job. It's so cool what you and what they've built, what I hopefully were a part of, when when I first got connected with Intercap Lending, it was like a year ago. Uh, Josh Romney had just brought the company back to Utah. And they were, you know, a, a well-established company, 40 years in the business, but they were in Utah. Now, a year later, 11 branches in Tooele, two in Utah County, in Ogden. And then the reviews are just great, like I just get these little notes from Steve Carter all the time. Hey, we helped another client, um, and they left a great review. I really appreciate it. It's so cool to kind of constantly have these awesome notes uh, being left by you guys about what what they're doing. Um, And I can't thank you guys enough for it, and I guess I can't thank Intercap enough for what a wonderful job they're doing. Clayton and Sarah Winslow. Steve at Intercap Lending did a fantastic job with the refi for Sarah and I. The process was seamless, very quick. We reached out for the time crunch. he really made it happen. Intercap, Steve, is by far the best mortgage company we've dealt with and we will recommend it to anyone who needs a mortgage or refi. That is so cool. Clayton, Sarah, thank you for supporting our, our sponsors. And Intercap, thanks for just being awesome. You can call Steve at Intercap. That's 385-800-8528. Direct lender. So they can help you out if you have difficult loans, low credit, self-employed, business assets, multiple properties, all that. Today's show is also brought to you by Action Heat. I have my Action Heat socks right here. So it's cool. You charge this little battery. Then you put it into the top of the sock plug the battery in. You turn it on, which I didn't do the first time. I was wondering why they weren't working. And then your feet are warm. I have terrible circulation. I love to ski more than anything on the entire planet. But every time I'm finished skiing, I have to cry because my feet hurt so bad. When the circulation comes back in, I went to squatters in Park City with two buddies after skiing the other day, and I literally was crying for the first half of lunch. Action Heat is changing that. They have undergarment wear. I have that. I wore that skiing. They have vests. They have jackets. They have socks. They have a cool little balaclava that you the heat on your head. If you're hunting, if you're camping, if you're out skiing, if you're all of those wonderful things. Gosh, it's gorgeous today. What am I doing inside? I just looked outside. It is so gorgeous. Look at that. So gorgeous. What are we doing inside? Paying the bills. All right. So anyway, Action Heat, actionheat.com slash locked on that's actionheat.com slash locked on get a great holiday gift 20% off it was really cool when I did it the other night uh, actionheat um, oops I just hit something uh, actionheat uh, automatically put a um, the promo code in for me but make sure it's locked on you'll get it go to actionheat.com slash locked on alright sorry that was all over the place alright um, Ryan says, I'm going to be in Park City this Saturday. Where is a good lunch place that you would recommend? Uh, I love Silver Star. Beautiful, gorgeous, up off the Silver Star lift, kind of hidden a little way. I think that's a great place. Um, I'll be stopping by the store for some cookies. I drive six hours for good cookies. Um, I will be... i am I got to pick up my daughter who's skiing snowbird today, and I'm hoping to get a snowbird, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I am... Um, uh, and then I'm uh, I'm stopping the store as well today. So that's what I was going to tell you. Uh, all right, let's get to your questions. Brandon Whiteside, why such big swings? So this is what I really have been trying to explain every day on the show. And I'm hoping that some of the audience right now is saying, oh, I know why the big swings. So I think that what's happened in the league is twofold. One is that the margin between the teams, there's 14 teams in the Western Conference that are really, really good. So the margin is very slim. So if you're either lacking confidence, tired, back-to-back, nicked up, whatever it might be, then I think that has a pretty big impact on the outcome of games. I think the confluence of the Jazz not playing any easy teams, they've played three games against teams that are three or more games below 500, and we've played 29 games. I mean, that's incredible. Is having an enormous impact. I think you've gotta go back and reevaluate some of the games that you feel like were bad games. The six-point win on opening night against Sacramento was pretty good. Like, I don't think anybody jumped through the roof on November 12th when we won in Memphis by eight, but that was a hell of a win. We won in Boston by 12 on November 17th. They're like 18 and 10 now. The losses that we think are so terrible, I'm not sure are that terrible. I mean, we haven't kicked one. We thought, we thought losing to Memphis was kicking it. It's not. They're really good. The other one I would point out is, so we lost in Minnesota. Donovan did not finish that game. We lost to Memphis. Donovan didn't play. We lost to Toronto by 13 and got waxed and blown out. Donovan didn't play. We lost at LA against the Lakers. Donovan didn't finish. Okay, so in those four games, Donovan didn't play. We beat Sacramento by 21 without Donovan, maybe a hell of a performance. And we lost to Indiana by 33 without Donovan. So we lost to Minnesota by three going down the wire without Donovan, and we lost to the Lakers going down the wire without Donovan. We're not really built to play without Donovan. We don't have a second scorer. So if you count those two, we suddenly are in the six games that Donovan, we're one in five in games that Donovan has not played. We're, what are we for the season? We've played 29 games, we're one below five. We're 14 and 50, we're 13 and 10 all of a sudden in games in which we've had Donovan. Against a brutal schedule with insane travel. Maybe not so bad. Nathan Baxter with a 52 win season. Where does that leave us in the standings? It's a great question. So when the year started, I thought 52 could put us close to number two. That was that was my whole premise this whole time was that we had a chance to be the number two seed because the rest of the league was, because the Warriors were going to run away with it and then we would be close. 52-win team is winning 63% of your games. Golden uh, Denver's at 67, but they're going to slide back and their schedule's brutal. Oklahoma City's at 65% of their games being won, but they haven't played anyone yet. And those are the only two teams other than the Warriors playing above 52. The Lakers look like they're heading that direction. The Tyson Chandler p- pickup was awesome. Ben Golliver and I talk about that a lot today on Locked on NBA. So, if... I, I don't think we're getting to 52, okay? Let me clarify why. Um we have left ourselves no wiggle room and you just don't go win every single game you're supposed to. Oklahoma City's done a hell of a good job with it. And our defense, frankly, in those three games that we've played against terrible teams, um, is suddenly uh, looking every bit as great as it ever did. Our defense, if you take out the blowout time against the Dallas Mavericks and the Indiana Pacers and last night is a lot better than anyone's giving us credit for as well. This is another cleaning the glass tribute to Ben Falk for uh, infiltrating my life completely. But So the J- they, he takes out blowout time because the 40-point quarter against Dallas is irrelevant. Our defense is now ranked seventh in the NBA with a pretty quick climb to the top three or four. Our differential in the season is now 11th, plus 2.2. Pretty good, guys. Like, the blowout last night certainly helps, but that's part of the game. We just haven't had those chances. Oklahoma City's the best, Golden State's second, Denver's third, Lakers are fourth. We're fifth in differential. If you take out blowout time. It's pretty good. All right, let's go to the top of the questions. Ajali, hello. Marin, hello. Kevin says, nice win. Brian Sloan says, good morning. It's not Jerry's son is Brian Sloan. Uh, I want to be good at anything. Uh, Oh, that's so nice of you. Logan says, I want to be as good at anything as you are at broadcasting. Uh, Here's what I would. I don't know how old you are, Logan. Here's what I would tell you. Great MIT CEO speech uh, about life. He said, find your tennis ball. And what he was referencing was that when you throw a dog a tennis ball, they'll jump through a bog and go through mud and over branches and jump through this and get that tennis ball and sprint back to you and drop that tennis ball at your lap and, can I have it again, can I have it again? Find your tennis ball. Like, I have too many tennis balls right now. I want to ski. I want to build this network. I want to do my play-by-play. I want to spend time with my wife and my kids. My problem is excessive amount of tennis balls. It's pretty awesome. Um is the oh, or the Mexico City game is not a nationally televised game. Will when will the Jazz be able to create a big win streak? Um you got to go st- you got to go find a, s- a part of the season where we've got seven or eight not very good teams bunched in a span of 10 and then see find if you can find a game or two we can steal. For example, March 13th, we play at Phoenix, home against Minnesota, home against Brooklyn, at Washington, at New York, at Atlanta, at Chicago, home against Phoenix, home against the Lakers, home against Washington, home against Charlotte, at Phoenix, home against Sacramento, at the Lakers would be the one you got to steal. Okay, I just won 18 straight to close the season. How's that? See, the problem is we can't do that because it just won't happen that way. And so then all of a sudden, it's pretty darn hard to go get to your 52 wins. More questions coming. Today's show brought to you in part by Grip6.com. Grip6.com slash lock. They're a belt company. I'm not wearing them right now. I always wear my Grip6, though. Cool thing about Grip6. Two things that I love about Grip6. One, the belt comes in, slides, the, the strap comes in, slides under the buckle. No holes, just cinches. Cinches at any spot you might like. For example, If you happen, hypothetically, to go on a 18 out of 22 nights on the road where you're eating in meaty rooms and fancy restaurants every night whose job is to put as much butter and crap in their food as possible so it tastes really, really good, and your waste expands, you just recinch it at a different spot, and no one really knows. Whereas, if you're dealing with a flap, you got to open it up, and then maybe the belt no longer, you got to take on now it doesn't really hold into the little loop or it loops too long and it flaps and it's just a disaster. Second thing is it is interchangeable for the buckle and the strap. The, for the, uh, you can get interchangeable buckles and straps. So our best deal for you is a three pack, $89 classic pack, 33% off, three buckles, three straps, including the grip six hanger. And you can buy, a bunch of different buckles and work them with the strap. Pretty cool. I really like Grip6. I got my dad. A, well, oh, well, my dad listens to this. Can't do that. But I did give it for a Christmas gift. He gets a new one. Um, check it out. Grip6.com slash lock.
1: Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking
0: All right, let's get your questions. I know the Jazz get one of the best open shot percentages with both corner threes and shots at the rim. Is there something to be said about opposing defenses knowing these two shots the Jazz want and not worrying about the mid-range and just forcing the Jazz into bad shots if they can't get either a three or a lap? Whoa. Ryan Johnson, try that again. I know the Jazz get one of the best open shot percentages with both corner threes and shots at the rim. That is accurate. Is there something to be said about opposing defenses knowing these are the two shots the Jazz want and not worrying about the mid-range and just forcing the Jazz into bad shots if they can't get either a three or a layup? Well, all right, help me out here, Ryan. If teams know we're going to get those shots, because that's what everyone wants, we're getting them. The Jazz are getting them. Um, I will update the numbers right now, but as of the other night, I think we were third in the league at getting shots in the restricted area and third or fourth in the league in getting threes and third or fourth in the league in getting quarter threes. So we're getting those shots. So defense is knowing we want and not worrying about the mid range and just forcing the Jazz into badge. And we're getting the most open looks. So I, I don't actually think that your question – which I understand why you thought it was a good question. Actually, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just don't think it has a premise. Kyle Olson, what do you think about the sons, The owner of the Suns threatening to move the franchise? It's leverage. That's why the NBA loves having Seattle empty right now because he's got leverage. Those are his two places of leverage. Um, it does feel a lot like Seattle. Make your team as terrible as possible. When you're trying to ask for money and your team is awful, you're in trouble. Uh, Jazz shoot the fourth best in the league at the restricted area and get the fifth most shots. The Jazz take the seventh most amount of threes and get the third most amount of corner threes. We're 26th in the league at shooting those, 21st in the league at above the break. We're getting close to the league average. We are not good in the paint on non-restricted area shots. We're 25th in the league. Hey, I actually have my Seattle Cup. Cafe Vita, but with the obvious rough schedule for Utah I feel like if we're three or five games under 500 once the awful December stretches over we're in a very good shape for the second half of the season would you uh, some jared page would you agree i think is yeah i mean I, that's kind of been my point this whole time that if you just isolate who we're playing what we've done against them we're we're just really in a lot better shape than we think and the numbers are actually be, i mean the numbers what I just read. I almost feel like I want to pick up the phone and call Quinn this morning and be like, um, you know, I, I'm pretty stunned right now when I just went and looked at cleaning the glass and we have the 11th best differential in the NBA with the fifth best differential overall in non-blowout time. Our win differential, you know, we, we blow people out. We play the fewest close games of anyone in the league. Our differential might be a little bit misleading. Um, but, you know, we're 14 and 15. We're, we're making a lot of progress. Spoh even said last night our schedule's been outrageous. Yes, he did, Marin. I thought that was interesting. Maybe he follows me on Twitter. With a 52 win season, where, right, I got that. Does Mexico City game count? It's a Orlando home game, so it's a road game. Will Rudy and the refs thing have long term ramifications on the team? Rudy's trying. He was better last night. Rudy's, you know, I mean, locked on NBA. Who I don't have any impact on what they talk about. Locked on NBA did a whole segment on Rudy Gobert being mad at the refs and actually then went through the foul calls he was mad about and said he was wrong on every single one of them. That's not a great reputation to have. So, I don't know if it'll have long-term ramifications, but it's something that Rudy has to own that he has to stay out of foul trouble. La- lifelong Jazz fans severely disappointed with this team this year, hoping they can stop their whining and start playing. Really? Why? Like, what did you... Here's what we know about this team. We're not a 60-win team. We're not... Probably not a 55-win team. I'm not sure anyone should have thought we were those things. Vegas thought we were 48. They're pretty good at their job. I actually find that unsympathetic comment right there from Keith to be pretty obnoxious. Maybe I'm too close to it. Severely disappointed. I got two words for you. I can't say them. Like, severely disappointed. Busting their ass, playing every night. I've gotten blown out a bunch of times. But if we get collectively blown out when it's not something this team usually does, maybe there's a collective reason that it's taking place. Right? I don't want to rehash it, but go look at the games. Like, they all make sense. Fifth game of five-game road trip. Happens. Indiana's pretty flipping good. Like, are we better than Indiana? I don't know. Indiana's really good. Certainly weren't this year when we played them. Are we better than Boston? We beat them twice. Pretty good. Right? Did we... Did we think we were going to be... Like, dramatically better than Houston, Oklahoma City, the Lakers with LeBron, San Antonio, New Orleans with Anthony Davis, Minnesota. Like, did we, did we think we were way better than those teams? Because that's whacked out if you thought that. I'll say it again. When the year started, there was a chance we could be the number two or three seed. There still is today. Because Houston was coming back to the pack. Not that we were running away. So, Keith, take the orange juice out of your Cheerios and cheer up. Tommy Newell, help me not overreact. To what? We played a bad team last night and won by 40. We have played three not very good teams, all year. Three, all year. There are six teams in the league that have not won double-digit games yet. Six. Do you how many games we played against those teams? Zero. Zero. We haven't got. There's now five. Zero. Teams that are three games below 500. Orlando, haven't played them. Miami, played them twice. Beat them by 40. Lost to them on the buzzer on a night where we were playing for the 18th time in 22 nights on the road for the second straight time in the East Coast time zone, having been all the way back to the West. Are you kidding me? haven't played Washington, haven't played Brooklyn, haven't played the Knicks, haven't played the Cavaliers, haven't played the Hawks, haven't played the Bulls, haven't played the Suns. It's freaking beautiful out. It's totally gorgeous. We won by 40, and somehow you pissed me off today. That's why I don't host a talk show anymore. Ah! Or I just put on an act. I'm going to assume that A.J. Roberts is trolling me. How do you explain the second quarter last night? Less than 20 points, I believe. We scored 20. After 40 in the first quarter, do you think against a better team that would have hurt us? See this cup right here, dude? This cup right here. Let's look inside this cup. That is not half empty. But it is for you. How about we talk about the fact we scored 40 points in the first quarter with no player scoring more than six? That's pretty outstanding. That's pretty special. I'll bet that hasn't been done more than five or ten times in the NBA. Marin, who I'd give a hug right now because I'd need one if I saw her. We know each other. It wouldn't be that weird. Uh, I like, I mean, like, no, we actually do know each other. It wouldn't be weird. I like that when Favors comes off the bench he comes in for Crowder instead of Rudy thoughts on that. It's interesting, it works because they were playing a Linux and Whiteside. Most teams get smaller as the game goes on. And that's you're touching on a great point, Marin. That's getting to Quinn's biggest problem with this, is that if he doesn't start Favors, like he plays sixteen minutes a night. And that's not enough for Faves. That's not fair to Faves. And that's Quinn's biggest problem. Is that if you don't start Faves? There are not every every team you play does not have two bigs in the game in the middle. Most teams actually go smaller as the night goes on. And so when teams go smaller as the night goes on, and then you can't play faves. Uh, Nathan Baxter, how did Exum do last night? I thought he was great. And I think that the blowouts are actually helpful to him. He's working incredibly hard with Jeff Watkins and the assistant coach. And he's just hopefully gaining some confidence and playing really... Uh, Playing really well and uh I, I thought that was great. I I think there's an element of that Oklahoma City Thunder game and how incredibly athletic Oklahoma City was that shows that Dante probably has to play. Without A B, Dante has to play. Now, how can Dante play in the most beneficial manner to the jazz and the most um and not being disrupt and, and not like he and how can he be the most beneficial to the Jazz? What is that? I think that's that's the unknown question to the Jazz. And then can Dante figure out what makes him best? Does that make sense? Uh, do you have any opinions on Markel Fultz? Um, Markel Fultz has something between a mental and physical problem, and it's not clear what, nor am I professional enough to be able to analyze it, and it's a t- somehow... We claim, we're like so scared, everyone's so scared to say he has a mental problem. Okay, it seems pretty clear. He's got something close to the yips there saying he doesn't. He's an incredible talent. I don't think it's going to work in Philadelphia. I don't know where it's going to work. Um, I would only risk it at this point on Markel Fultz if I just knew whatever I was giving up was not going to work for me also. All right, that wraps us up. We're at 36 minutes because I lost it. Hope you're good. Talk to you soon. Thanks for dealing with me. Have a good one.